Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, Episode 111, GSA Reno. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, it's late May, Memorial Day weekend is about to hit, uh, signaling the start of summer. We are still in school. Uh, Our final exam week is the second week of June here at Central Washington University. Uh, But we're wrapping things up. We're in the home stretch. The students are exhausted, blah, blah, blah. And I was away last week. I had some grad students uh, cover for me in the labs and gave a midterm to the students. The grad student proctored the exam. And we did not go out last Thursday because I was down in Reno, Nevada at a Geological Society of America meeting. And the students knew that ahead of time, and in fact, half the students uh, were out in the field anyway with a coastal geomorphology trip uh, to the Washington coast. So it all worked out, and it wasn't a surprise to anybody that that we were going to have this kind of break from our Ice Age floods discussions with Geology 351. Okay, so this is a report of what I did last week when I was off campus and down in Reno, Nevada. I drove... And I drove in particular because I wanted to try using Starlink. So I finally have got my act together and I'm starting to broadcast live in very remote places that do not have internet. And it worked. I did a a live stream from Summer Lake, Oregon in the Oregon Outback. And that's on YouTube if you want to see what it looks like. But it... uh, I'm I'm encouraged by that, and I will do more and more with that Starlink system. And thanks to uh, uh, Mike in Seattle, uh, a a longtime viewer who uh, kept encouraging me to go that route. So I'm freed up to to broadcast without cell coverage and without Internet, uh, making my own Internet using the Starlink Starlink system. So that that feels new and exciting, and and, um, I'm going to continue in that direction. Terrific. So I did that on the drive down. I also wanted to do that drive because I know that route, like the back of my hand, uh, between Ellensburg and Reno, uh, because for 20 years I would have three vans full of students from Central drive all the way down to Reno and beyond. Our destination was Bishop, California, and we would I was teaching a field course, Geology 210, Introduction to Geologic Field Methods, and we would stay at the White Mountain Research Station in Bishop. And so at the end of August every year, through the 90s and the 2000s, and my last time doing the trip was in 2012 before I handed the course over to some younger faculty, uh, and we, I knew that drive. And I remember always thinking, God, I'd love to do this drive when it's not the end of August. I'd like to see it in the springtime. And I did last week. And I thoroughly enjoyed that drive. You know, stopped at all the stops we used to stop at, all the bathroom breaks and um, the whole thing. Just full of nostalgia, including downtown Reno, which I hadn't been to again uh, since doing those trips. And we always had a spot on 2nd Avenue where we would park the vans and the students 19-year-olds would be turned loose in Reno for an hour and a half during lunch, and they'd go out and try to get in the casinos and then get kicked out and the whole the whole bit. So it was fun to see what's been going on in downtown Reno since 2012, my first time back. But I had a purpose last week. I had a purpose to go to a Geological Society of America meeting. 
And I think I've tried to describe uh, at least once before with these radio episodes about what a GSA meeting is like. I think I did one with GSA Portland, if I recall. Not really sure of that, but I think I did. To remind you, um, and I don't know about your field of expertise, but maybe you have conventions as well or some sort of you know annual conference. This was not the annual GSA meeting, but it was what's known as a section meeting. So it was a courtier and section meeting. So just basically uh, a smaller version of the big annual meeting, which happens in the fall. This fall, it's going to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But there's a Rocky Mountain section of the GSA. There's a courtier and section of the GSA. And this was just the courtier and section. So it's a smaller meeting. I think there were maybe, I'm not sure. A few hundred geologists there, something like that, and three days of presentations, poster presentations, uh, oral presentations, talks, in other words, and, uh, you know, beer at the end of each day and at the posters and the whole thing. You, you, you visit with a bunch of people, you meet a bunch of new people, and the positive report from the, the Reno meeting is that... Uh, People continue to watch the videos on YouTube, and especially younger people don't really watch the videos that much, but they listen to this. And so I had plenty of people um, uh, seeking me out, which is unusual, you know, for the first 25 years of going to these GSA meetings, uh, I would be mostly anonymous. But I'm, I'm more visible now, and that voice uh, recognition helps. <laughs> Sometimes people hear me talking, and then they snap their head around, uh, and so they come over, and I thought I recognized that voice. So if you came up to me in Reno last week, especially if you're a young student, a graduate student, or even an undergraduate student, and you said nice words about listening to this, and that's what got you into geology, especially during the pandemic. You wanted to return to school or go to school for the first time, and you, you're in, you were happy to report that you were in geology in part because of what's going on here. That makes me feel really good, and thank you. And yes, I'm reporting to everybody that, that there is an effect, not a super tangible effect. I've already talked about the fact that I don't really look at the analytics for any of this stuff. I just kind of do it because it's fun here in my basement, in my home. Uh, but it is, it is nice to know that, that uh, occasionally there's an impact. Okay, uh, more positive stuff from the Reno meeting. Well, I mean, you know, you go to some talks and they're like, whatever, not that interested. I, I take a bunch of notes. In fact, I grade every presenter in my little notebook. So there were some Fs. <laughs> there were some Ds. And occasionally I'll I'll be annoyed enough where I'll just, uh, you know, put in my little notebook uh, the word yawn. Not very nice, but nobody sees the notebook, so that's fine. And no names here. But there were a few talks that were surprising and exciting. Two come to mind. One, oh, man, let me make sure I have her name right. Let me get to the notebook. One was by a woman at Thompson Rivers University. Come on, boy. Find it. Looking through my chicken scratch. Should have been more prepared here. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Yep. Uh, Wednesday morning, 10 o'clock talk, Nancy Van Wagoner. 
Thompson Rivers University. I think that's in Kamloops, BC. I'm not sure. And her talk really excited me. And, you know, these, these talks are 12 minutes long. You are on the clock. Uh, you get cut off at, at, at 13 minutes or something if you're still going. Uh, and there's maybe time for a couple of questions and then move right on to the next speaker. Uh, but I managed to find Nancy afterwards that evening and uh, said, boy, I really enjoyed your talk. And she's like, oh, well, thank you. Boy, I, I, did, I couldn't quite tell if people were interested in what I was talking about or not. And I'm like, well, I am. And let me tell you, dear listener, why I was so excited. She was reporting on some Eocene lavas between 60 and 45 million years ago, uh, tied to a large igneous province in British Columbia, which I'd heard of for a while, but I, I never really, you know, heard it directly from somebody who has some things to report. So there's this elevated plateau. I'm looking at my notes. There's this elevated plateau in central BC. Lava is part of the Sloco group and the Buck Creek Volcanics in the Kamloops group. And there's some sort of caldera structure uh, near Kamloops Lake with some rhyolite domes that perhaps are inside of the caldera. Penticton group. There's a Phoenix, Phoenix mine pit. But, and you're like, oh, really? That, that, that got you rolling? Well, she eventually showed that there was a sweeping age progression starting up in the Yukon at like 57.5 million years ago and then sweeping down towards the international border with Washington and ending about 45 million years ago into something she called the Colville, and on the Washington side, something she called the Colville Volcanics. But it's more like the Republic Robin and things in northern Washington. So I wrote in my notes... Uh, Jeff Tepper should know about this woman, and I haven't emailed Jeff yet, but if you've got a good memory, two winters ago I was, I was doing the Crazy Eocene live stream series, and I was focusing mostly in Washington, and Jeff Tepper from University of Puget Sound, which I've reported on here, had a sweep of ages in the Eocene, starting in the Panhandle of Idaho 52 million years ago and sweeping southwest and ending in the Wenatchee, Washington area, about 44 million years ago, and then the Cascade Volcanic Arc gets set up a little bit further west. Well, perhaps, perhaps Nancy's uh, talk plugs directly into Jeff Tepper's age progression. In other words, that sweep could start 57 and a half million years ago up into the Yukon and can continue to get younger and younger and go all the way down to Wenatchee, Washington. So there's an example of something that that I didn't know anything about and heard directly from somebody, and then I got a chance to visit with her later, and it all worked. So um, one other, and I'm not going to struggle to find the notes from it, but there was a guy named Mike Doran, younger guy, uh, who was working with, oh, this is also Eocene, working with the, uh-oh, off the top of my head, the Taiyi sedimentary layers and uh, in central Oregon and um, his work, I'm like listening to him talking about the Taiyi. God dang it, I should have the other one ready. Let me find it. I'm sure it's starred as well. Mike Doran. 
And I talked to Mike afterwards, and not only was his content great, but also his presentation style was just so strong, and he was so well rehearsed. And I was very impressed with him. And I, I talked to him after, and he said he he's just started a new job in Eugene, Oregon, with um, oh god, this is so unprofessional. I'm sorry. Here he is. Yeah. Mike Doran, Thursday at uh, 10.20. Mike Doran, A+. He had a broken leg. He's standing up there on one leg in one of those little gurney things with his broken leg kind of trailing behind him. Uh, he was uh, reporting on his work with the Umpqua and Taiyi formations, uh, mostly sedimentary basin rocks between 55 and 45 million years ago. The title of his talk, Raiders of the Lost Ark, so he basically presented this data to say that he has all sorts of evidence of interesting stuff from those two groups, but he doesn't have a volcanic source for some of the deposits within there. And he's done some G-plates, tectonic reconstructions, and kind of talking about the collision of Silesia with the Columbia embayment uh, and, and that sort of thing. All right, so sketchy report here. I didn't even realize I was going to get into that level of detail with you. But my point is, those are two examples of talks that really fired me up. A-plus talks, visited with both of them afterwards. So instead of just reading somebody's paper, you can actually, you know, find them afterwards. Uh, if you're really into it, you invite them to lunch and you, you, you kind of, in my case, get a better feeling for who they are, how dynamic they are, what their plans are in the future, and then occasionally, you know, when I have programs that I'm doing as a person who likes to showcase what people are doing, and it's just pure fun to do that, you know, Mike and Nancy are probably people I'm going to try to follow through on. Okay, so you can do your own homework on, on those two, I guess. There were other uh, nice moments like that, uh, but I think I'm going to transition to some... Uh, I guess negative things I want to say. Now, I, I've been home for almost a week, and I've kind of lost my momentum, partly because, you know, you go to those meetings and it takes a lot out of you. I don't, I, so, uh, all right, what, how do I want to do this? I guess what I want to say here is that if I get some of this stuff out and communicate how I'm feeling, <laughs> I guess I'm a delicate flower, Maybe I can get back to my momentum that I had. How do I want to do this without just ragging on everything? All right, well, let me try it this way. I like the people that I work with here at the university in the geology department. I was involved, since I've been here longer than everybody else, I was involved in, in you know, hiring each of them, the interview process and selecting people and so I'm invested in the people that we have and individually I have good relationships with everyone in the department and they come and visit my office and back and forth and there's good things but my least favorite hour of the work week is Mondays at one o'clock because we have a faculty meeting This is just my department now. And 
I don't know if you can relate, but when you get these people together in a room, there's a they're kind of a different version of themselves. And that kind of group discussion just has a weird vibe to it. And quite often, the vibe in the room uh, loses the personal connection business and people are kind of talking to impress each other or whatever. I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. There, there's, I, I just feel different when I'm in the room when all of us are together. And if I'm totally uh, honest here, I'm in a room full of people who are playing one particular game, a tenured professor game, and there's talk of, of uh, um, parts of the job that relate to that. And as most of you know, I do not have a PhD. I'm not really playing that game. I'm not following through on the certain things that are part of that standard uh, professor role. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not a big part of those discussions. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. That I'm different than everybody else. And therefore, with these kind of traditional roles and traditional meetings in a format that's so familiar, uh, it, it's, it, it, I'm never leaving that faculty meeting uh, skipping and whistling as I go out, out the door. I always feel kind of beaten down or just kind of like, wow, this is... This is different than, than it could be. This, this could be much more than it is. And then we go back to talking individually, and it's fine. Now, if you're, if you're a sociologist or a psychologist, you can probably know exactly what my problems are. But we're getting into my personal baggage because I got the same general feeling after three days in Reno. I don't know how else to say it. I'm communicating science in a very unusual way. So by definition, most of the people at that meeting are unaware of what I'm doing, including, you know, these live stream series and alphabets and, and long form chances to get people to express themselves geologically. Okay, I kind of knew that going in, that it wasn't, uh, people weren't all going to be going, well, yeah, my God, we got Nick Zentner here. He's been doing so much crazy stuff. And we got people like from all over the world watching these programs, standing ovation for this guy. I didn't expect that at all. And it didn't happen. And that's totally fine. But I guess the negative surprise to me was in the room, in the same room, We have, I'm not going to name names, but we have people who have spent their careers studying the tectonic history of the American West, the Cordillera. And many of them were invited to come give a talk. And many of them had opposing views. And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, basically Baja B.C., Paleomag people were there. Uh, old school, Laramide Rajni people were there. Everything in between. Again, I don't want to name names and get into the gory details, but I am going to give you one name. I think 
one of my, I know, one of my favorite guests from this past winter was a Canadian geologist named Stephen Johnston. And you can do yourself a favor and watch the two episodes last winter where Stephen Johnston made an appearance. And why did I like him so much? He was well-spoken, number one. Number two, he totally understood what I was trying to do. Of course it comes back to me. He totally got what I was trying to do with that series. And he watched every episode. And because he watched every episode, his comments, especially in Session Z, which was the wrap-up to the Baja BC series, uh, he was on the episode with Karin Siglock and Basil Tickoff, and the four of us were on screen together talking about these different tectonic models. And, you know, when Stephen was on the YouTube channel with me, I actually said, you've got some radical ideas, and he kind of bristled at that. But his ideas involving a ribbon continent are very unusual, but they make a lot of sense to me, personally. So Stephen was invited to come down and give this 30-minute talk on Friday morning, the last morning of the conference. And he followed a gentleman who had totally different views. And I thought Stephen's talk was excellent. And what was there in there? Maybe 200 people sitting in the room. And then as soon as he was done, there was another talk. And then, you know, there was 15 minutes, 15 minutes set aside for discussion. And, and here are, you know, talks that are so different. And I guess all I'm trying to say here is that I was disappointed that there wasn't a feeling of sharing ideas and having a discussion, you know, like we were trying to do on the YouTube series about the pros and cons of different ideas. Now, was I surprised that it was such a rigid format and that there was essentially no communication between everybody? Yeah, I was surprised. Now, I shouldn't have been because this GSA thing is so, is so rigid and so um, old school. But I think, especially as I was driving home and thinking about why am I feeling so rotten right now, despite the fact that I met a lot of really good people, interesting people, plenty of good things about the meeting. But Stephen in particular, I was sitting next to him during these sessions, and after his talk, I just, you know, I just whispered to him between talks, God, you just did a great job, and let's go out to lunch. And he said, Absolutely. And then after the next talk, I went over and whispered to him again. I said, hey, you're probably going to have a bunch of people that are going to want to talk to you as you leave this room. So I'm kind of plan B for you for, for lunch. You know, if you, you're here to collaborate and to share ideas. And so uh, when you have all these people talking to you, he's let me cut you off right there. Nobody's going to talk to me. I'll, give, I'll bet you. No, I'm going to walk out of this room. Not, not one person's going to come up to me. And he was right. So this is so similar, weirdly similar, to another Canadian geologist, Jerome Lessman, who I've talked about in the last episode. And Jerome, for years, has been marginalized in the communication and discussion and publications 
of the Ice Age floods in Washington, where Jerome has been trying to build a case for subglacial flow and water uh, producing a bunch of water uh, supplying uh, floods coming down Grand Coulee or Moses Cooley. And I feel a connection to Jerome now. And I've been doing what I can to get Jerome, basically, to get his voice heard. And same with Stephen now. I feel like he's got great ideas, and he's not really even being listened to, as far as I can tell. So that was a GSA meeting where there was an opportunity to exchange ideas, go back and forth to just the spirit of discovery and why I think people go into science. I don't know. You know, I got 19-year-olds. I got 20, 21-year-olds in my class right now. We're talking about the Ice Age floods. And I'm throwing in some commentary about how Jerome Lessman and Joel Gombiner and their ideas are so new that they're not really being given attention or read or even published in certain cases. And my students are like, what? Isn't everybody in science? Yes. Aren't they all like, don't they know the history of science and how there should be all this exciting collaboration and discovery? And the reality is, Maybe given the format of this GSA meeting business or, or, or whatever, these GSA meetings, I guess, are a reminder they're a reminder that many of the conflicts between geologists are simply because, in my opinion, there's not a forum, there's not a moderator, there's, there's nobody to try to bring these different voices together and to get people to even read each other's stuff. Like, I, I, if I had my way, I, these GSA meetings would be like graduate-level classes. Everybody's got their reading that they're supposed to do before they come to the meeting. And then you have class, and then you go around the room, and everybody weighs in on the pros and cons of the talk that they just read or the paper that they just read. And you're like, well, that's what Penrose conferences are. Well, I don't know. Are they? There is a Penrose conference on the Ice Age floods, like coming up in a few days, hosted at Dry Falls. And Richard Waite, and Jerome Lessman and Jim O'Connor will be there together. Joel Gombiner. So how much collaboration will there be? How much of a forum will there be? Well, I would think that a Penrose conference would be able to share freely all these different ideas with the spirit. I don't, I'm still trying to find the right way to say it. And maybe just getting this out to you will help me and I can get back to my, you know, I, I kind of lost my momentum here, I have to say. That Stephen Johnson thing bugged me and it continues to bug me. And I know I'm talking about Ice Age floods again and there was no Ice Age floods discussion at the Reno meeting. But what I'm trying to say is that in a few days, there's going to be a Penrose conference for the Ice Age floods with different points of view, 
they're all invited to the same session, the, the same conference. They're all living together, eating meals at the same place at Dry Falls. And then, yes, in late August, many of the characters that I just listened to in Reno involving Baja BC and oblique subduction and courtier and stuff, including Stephen Johnston and Karin Siglock and Basil Tickoff, they're all going to be in McCall, Idaho at a Penrose conference. And I'm going to be at that one. Now, is it going to be two more weeks in August of the same kind of disconnect and people talking past each other and just <laughs> a talk and then we're on to the next person, then we're on to the next person. There's no, the vibe has to be different. Getting excited now. The, the vibe, how can the vibe change? Vibe's the wrong word. How can the format change? How can there actually be, I like that. I just stumbled into this. Give me a second, would you? It's maybe a small subset of you that went to graduate school in the sciences, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's more than just geology. T to me, as a grad student in geology, I was nervous about going to class because I had to speak. I had to read these papers I barely understood, and then I had to like be part of a discussion. It was not a strength of mine. I'd never done it before. I didn't even know how to read a science paper. And then I'm, I'm the new grad student, and I'm supposed to like uh, take a, a pro side or a con side on somebody's argument and go back and forth. But that kind of open forum where you're all excited to learn new things and you're excited because there's a place with field evidence but there's such radically different interpretations to explain that place. Ultimately, that's an exciting thing to be part of. But you assume as a graduate student that people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, people in retirement are still going to have that feeling of discovery and debate, but in a positive way. Well, you go to these, these meetings and there's no sense of that out in the open. There might be a little bit, you know, casually uh, outside the venue or something. God, I, just, and I'm reminded of that when I go to a GSA meeting. I don't go to GSA meetings that, that much because it does bring up this kind of, I guess, personal baggage that, okay, I'll say it to close is the stuff that I'm doing um, I'll say it this way when I'm into a big series of video programs and I'm involving a bunch of professional geologists and they're all willing to come on and be part of it in the moment it feels like I'm doing some meaningful things and there's a bunch of people watching it live and in replay and everything else and I guess I, if, I, if I get deeply enough into one of these series, I start telling myself, yeah, this is pretty important. I'm, I'm actually making a difference in advancing scientific thought. On the real strong days, that's what I tell myself. And then I guess what I'm trying to say with this episode is I go to a, a meeting, a professional meeting, where many of those people are in the same room, just like faculty meetings on Mondays, 
and it's a different it's a different vibe and people are just talking to people that they know and you know that's not right the people are introducing themselves to others but there's no leaning into a, an exchange of ideas for more than just a couple of awkward minutes between talks and i'm hopeful that the penrose meeting the basil tickoff is putting together in august will somehow have a different feel than those three sessions in Reno. And that somebody like Stephen Johnson, who will be there, will have a chance to share his ideas openly and have discussion. I don't know, man. I don't know. It feels like the history of geology has been so... A development of alternative ideas takes so long to take root if they ever do. And I think it's in part because of this, this lack of healthy discussion of ideas in a forum where people aren't getting attacked or feel like they're not part of the discussion. All right. Well, at the 33-minute mark, dear listener, thank you for listening to this. I guess it was a rant. I don't know. Uh, I, I am happy that I went down. I did enjoy meeting new people. I got plenty of new ideas involving the Eocene in particular, but the 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 you know the the Baja BC type type stuff as well. Stumbled there because I'm starting to wonder what I did learn that was new. But uh, I will be eventually reporting on the, the Penrose Conference in August. Uh, I was written into the grant proposal, so I have a role. And I guess I need to decide if I'm going to try to be uh, proactive about that and ask if I'm going to be covering the Penrose Conference and making videos and live streaming using my Starlink dish and everything else. Can I ask Basil and the others, can I moderate some of this? Because I... That Reno scene, I don't know if I can handle two weeks of, of that vibe in that room in Reno. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, maybe that got it out of my system. Uh, I appreciate you listening. I'm heading up to Dry Falls this afternoon to be with my Geology 351 students, and all will be right in the world. And I'm looking forward to making new video programs and diluting myself from the realities of science in the process. Thank you, dear listener. I love you, and goodbye from Ellensburg, Washington, USA.